This session is brought to you by Zurich Life and Investments. These guys are one of the last true independent life insurers going around and they're Swiss, so you know their stuff is solid. These guys really understand and believe in the value of advice, which is why they invest in programs like this one and partner with groups like XY Advisor to help drive the positive evolution of financial advice in Australia. Their team are just really good people as well. So if you haven't already connected with them to learn more, check out their website or speak to your business development contact. This session is also brought to you by Sun Super. They're one of the fastest growing profit for members or industry funds in Australia. They were the very first of these funds to partner with advisors and they've got functionality where you can actually link to your client's Sun Super accounts and charge advice fees through the fund as well as a number of uh, tech innovations to make it easier for you to work with your clients. They've got great investments, they're really, really cheap and their team are just generally legends. So if you haven't already connected with Sun Super, give them a shout because they're doing some really cool stuff. G'day Chris Bates, what's happening? G'day, g'day. Um, canopy, not called that anymore, are you? <laughs> now I've gone for a uh, easier to pronounce name, not uh, Wealthful. Canopy? What's hard about that? <laughs> I can't believe you no. gave up that name, man. It was so good. It was like the support, the canopy. It was like, oh man, I wish I had a name like that. I mean, the new name must be phenomenal. Then it must really resonate if canopy it isn't isn't the it was first canopy choice. private by the way it wasn't just canopy. sorry sorry, oh, sorry. Right. sorry. Yep. private yep. canopy that's even better yeah yep. yeah yeah it's, um, a, it's a funny thing isn't it when you're starting up a super fund you actually want to look as as like old money as possible and then you start doing business and you're like you start backpedaling it oh shit what have i done yeah i about a year in i was like oh how do i drop this private bit and then <laughs> shit canopy.com oh sorry uh <laughs> canopy.com.au was taken i was like oh so i can't get rid of it yeah. yeah, I did the same thing. I was like, I just drop the wealth and keep pivot. My my guy told me to do pivot, and I was like, man, you're insane. You're crazy. You're crazy, man. Uh, and now I'm like, fuck. I wish I just called it um, pivot. But uh, I looked up the domain, and it's owned by Intertech Pivot, the like multi-billion-dollar uh, fertilizer company. So, man, just um, offer him a couple of bucks. I've got it on back order on Crazy Domains, ten dollars nice. a year. So you know, you know, maybe they'll let it slip. <laughs> Apparently, apparently Google.com slipped. Did you guys hear about this? Oh, man. This guy bought it. He used to work at Google and was this major nerd. And he found out that Google.com was available. Bought it and then, like, knew who to contact within Google. He's like, I just bought this for you. You might want to, you know. And I think they gave him, like, a thousand bucks. What? <laughs> oh, man, I'd be, I'd be holding that for ransom. <laughs> I did actually buy digitaladvice.com.au and then I went, oh, and then I realized it got expired. And then I was like, told someone I owned it. And then I looked and went, actually, no, I've actually let it lapse. And then I quickly got in. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, domains. I know a few people have made a couple of bucks off that kind of thing, but I think it's a lot sort of harder than it seems. Mm. I've just got heaps. I don't don't really use them. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. Well, especially now that there's dot and like, there's about fifty to a hundred oh, yeah. different yeah. things that you can. A lot of things. Yeah. So, is it really worth it? But anyway, I digress, mate. Um, how's business? Very good. Yes. Cool. Yeah. That's no, um, I've kind of got a pretty kind of refined offering now, and I'm kind of got my groove, and yeah, the LinkedIn stuff's going really well, and yeah, it's kind of all coming at me now, which is good. So that's the. Wow. That was the. 
I guess the dream, I guess I was trying to get to, and then it's, it's, it's kind of coming at me now. So I'm not just posting twice a day and, and they, they come, which is good. My God, what kind of uh, engagement are you getting these days? Uh, like 20,000 a post. Um, what? Yeah. 20,000 people see your posts. Yeah. <laughs> That's so awesome. It's amazing. Yeah. So I post twice a day and generally it's 15, 20, sometimes 30, sometimes more. Yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah. What are you posting? Uh, it's all on there. That's a good thing about it. It's, uh, <laughs> it's not hidden. Yeah. It's, uh, it's all out there. I mean, it, it just, it varies. I mean, today's, a lot of it's around property. I mean, I guess because I'm trying to be the person that people can go to for that. Mm. Um, I, you know, I guess it's, it's I do one, one on property that's something hasn't, people haven't thought about before. And then one maybe on life. Just something that's, I think there's the part of where you know someone wants to know you and like you and want to seek your services out. That's what I'm trying to create. Mm. Um, so you got to get personal. You got to share things about yourself and share and open yourself up a bit. Mm. And so by doing that, people will either not like it, which is cool, but the people who do like it really like it. And then so then they're going to go well, actually, you know, I trust this guy. I want to. I wouldn't mm. mind speaking to him. And it's not rocket science, hey. It, it, it's just no one does it. Yeah, you did it. And I remember when you, you said you were going to do it, you know, a couple of years ago, you go, I'm going to I'm gonna build, I think, my own brand, like use my name. And I remember thinking, well, that's ballsy. Like <laughs> you're going you're gonna to actually do this thing that everyone talks about. And then fast forward a couple of years and here you are, I get 30,000 people looking at my posts. That seems insane. Yeah, I mean, it's 30,000 within the LinkedIn community. I have no other presence on any other platform. I don't think you need it. Do yeah. you need it? My God. Mm. 30,000 is enough, I think. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> what do you reckon about these people that, that get up people for uh, for posting personal stuff on LinkedIn? So like weird, they talk, man. They talk about it's it like So that. weird. Just yeah. uh, block me if you, yeah. if you don't want to read it. Yeah. I mean, that's what I just, I mean, that's my view on it is if you don't like what I'm writing, then just block me. Yeah. Uh, and if you find it interesting, then keep reading, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, or, you know, lose the connection, that's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, everyone's got the choice of not following someone, so it's... Uh, totally. You're not, you're not forcing <laughs> it down anyone's throat. Yeah, that's God. not um, personal. It's not a... It's just something I'm sharing about me. It's If you find that offensive, then it yeah. says more about... It can person. be offensive from time to time. It depends on which Chris Bates we're seeing. So uh, what do you, did you, well, obviously you did stuff to, uh, to get that happening, but you know, what do you, you have like a structured sort of strategy at the start or like, what did you, how did you approach it? So I started posting 2015, the start, and I would do long form. And at that point I was only six months into the business and I was thinking, you know, I guess I still had a few gripes with the industry and what I'd seen. And I kind of started off with a bit of a negative tone and I think that was, me just getting my thoughts out there, really. And once it was out, then it was out, you know? And then so um, I realised after about six months and thought, well, I've got rid of that now. And, you know, now I actually just start posting about stuff I like and what I enjoy. Yeah, And so cool. I just completely shifted. And, you know, now it's just about, it could be anything. It could be animals or getting engaged or, you know, Africa. you know, inequality or Africa or whatever mm. it might be. Um, well-being, you know, whatever it might be. Mm. Um whatever's going through my brain I'm actually, you know, interested in or 
That's what I posted you, up. You, you sort of, uh, if I was to interpret what what it is that you're you do, in some people blog and you kind of treat uh, LinkedIn status updates like a miniature blog almost. Yeah, I realised that the long term blogs. I actually think I spoke to you on a Sunday once mm. and came around and. Uh, I just spent three hours writing a blog. Mm. And I'm like, I get 200 views for that. <laughs> and no one really clicks it. Mm. I've just spent all this time. Like, this isn't really right. Yep. Um, and then I just started writing lots of short form. Mm. And so I hit the word count limit. And then I kind of then have to kind of, you know, digest that a little bit and refine it. And But after you've done it, you know, hundreds of times, you kind of got a bit of a structure there and you can easily just realize, you know, there's better ways to word things. But there is, there is a bit of a, an art to it because, you know, really it's kind of, you know, if someone can't read it properly or it's not articulated very well or it hasn't, it hasn't actually got a solid point, then people aren't going to like it or they're not going to comment or they're not going to share or they're not going to read your next one. So you can't just post anything. It's just that you, it's just got to be quite short and snappy. People don't really read that much anyway, right? Like, so you're just flicking, 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 mm. read, read a little bit, flick, 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 flick. Yep. So you just want to kind of catch their attention and then... And you've normally got a picture as well, right? Picture's very important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I'll follow that. And so yeah. you, you get a, you're getting a lot of shares on your, on your stuff. Do you, uh, like, is there stuff that you're, you're consciously doing to promote that? Or, like, yeah. Nothing at all, no. So I just post it and then, yeah, I never reach out to anyone. I never, even when I get asked for a friend request, I don't even say anything. I just, you know, we've connected. I don't need to give you this little line, Steel. you know. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And then you just follow me now. And then at some point in the future, if you like me and you need some help, hopefully you've seen me enough and you've read enough of what I think and you think actually that's someone I wouldn't mind. Yeah, you've nailed it, man, because developing a relationship with people at scale is uh, the whole point of the internet and the whole point from a business point of view and the whole point of social media is, is scalability that two inch wide, two miles deep, you know, you, you know who you want to work with and you just put your authentic self out and it, everyone talks about it. And then all these people that talk about it have like 50 followers on Twitter. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you just actually stuck to it. It's <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome to see, man. So congrats Thank first of all to, to to your self discipline um, and dedication to, to making it happen. So now I'll take my hat off. the amazing hair as well. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Shave the beard off. Would have given you a run. Hey, you still got a you still got a beard. Yeah, yeah, I've gone through it. Bit yeah. of love. And so you were in Africa recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was amazing. Uh, yeah, it's a cool trip. Where'd you go? Uh, Kenya, Uganda, just those two countries just for about, about three and a half weeks. Um, yeah, it was amazing. It was massive animal lovers. Basically just spent the whole time admiring animals. Wow, <laughs> man. That's pretty nice. cool, but. You see yeah. a zebra? So I lots and lots of zebras, yeah. You see a awesome. dead zebra getting yeah, everyone, eaten? Yeah, it's funny, though. Every time everyone sees the zebra the first time, they're like, oh, stop the bus, stop the bus. Yeah, and they get their camera out and, you know, oh, it's so beautiful. And, yeah. you know, they're waiting for the perfect shot. And then they go around the next corner, and then there's another thousand zebras. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Was it, was it, was that sort of a um, was that the first time you've been to Africa? Uh, I've been to a bit of North Africa before, like Morocco and Egypt, and is that when you used to live in London? Uh, one was, yeah, no, actually, yeah, once in London, once when I was here. Cool, man. Yeah. Do you have an affinity with Africa, or? Hmm, I do. I actually thought I had one 
like years and years and years before I actually went. And uh, I was very close when I was living in the UK to when I was coming back. I was at this bit of a crossroads. I was like, do I go back to Australia or do I go to Africa and be a tour guide? Um, maybe for a few years. And I was like, had it all sussed out, had all the prices and spoke to all the different places and kind of sussed out all the flights and how it would work. And I didn't push the button on it, to be honest. And so I moved back to Australia. So since then, I've kind of been, you know, it's kind of been grilling on me a little bit. Um, but I mean, that's kind of my first trip there and it won't be the, the last. Um, so tell us about this story where you nearly ended up in prison. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, so we did... Uh, Lots of animal things over there, and like one of the poaching. things, one of these things we did <laughs> over there was on a private game reserve, right? And uh, so basically, you're walking in the wild. So you're walking in the wild. No car. No car. What? And there's there's everything there. No lions, but what? there's there's leopards. There's Whoa. you know everything's there. Um, Do leopards not eat people? No, but like leopards are very scared. Okay, they're very like good. You know, they sit in a tree all day, they sleep, and then they attack at night. Okay. And so, like, you, you should be very unlikely to get killed by a leopard. Right. <laughs> More likely to get hit by a... But in case you did, you got worldwide income protection. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did actually check on travel insurance. I was like, am I allowed to be safari? Like eaten leopards. by a leopard in the middle <laughs> of the night. <laughs> um, and, I mean, I guess about... That was like a four-hour walking, so we walked right, all right around. We saw lots of different animals. It was amazing, and then came along this kind of warthog that, and warthogs are, you know, Pumba. They're actually like, you think that there's actually lots of them out there. They're like a, you know, they're quite funny. But uh, I came across a, a carcass of one of those. Mm. And because it's on a private game reserve, it's not like in a national park. It's a private thing. Mm. Um, and I looked at one of the tusks and I was like, oh, this is amazing. Like, this just could feel the strength in this tusk. Mm. So I said to the guide, I was like, mate, do you mind if I take this? He goes, yeah, no, that's fine. Like, you can take it. It's, um, you know, it's our property. Mm. And I was like, cool, this is amazing. It's a proper whole tusk. You were going to make it into one of those necklaces and just with, like, the rough, like, the twine <laughs> yeah. or something? Because I could straight see in, you rocking that. Straight in the caveman meeting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, do you want some income protection? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and so I, I I was really fascinated by it. My girlfriend. Well, how big is it? Uh, like a, probably about... 30 centimetres, yeah, but right. it's thick and it's strong and you well, can see why it would yeah. cause some damage, right? And so I was like fascinated. I was like, yep, cool. I'm going to take this home. Um, my girlfriend, now fiancé, was like, no, no, no. Um, you know, I don't want you to take that. And I was like, no, no, I'm taking it. So I was in the suitcase and uh, we were flying back from, so we went right to the coast. I mean, a place called Mombasa and uh, we're going through airport security and then got through the security and then the lady's like, uh, can you please come here? You've got animal products in your bag. Mm, what? And I'm like, yeah. And she goes, you know, that's illegal. And I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just a warthog. It's not a rhino. And I, sort of, and I said, it's a warthog. And she's like, yeah, it doesn't matter. It's an animal and it's completely uh, forbidden. And, you know, you can go to jail for that. Wow. And I'm like, oh, shit. And like I've just gone white, and uh, <laughs> my partner she's just like freaking out, like, like tensing up, and I'm like, I've got money, <laughs> and she's like, How much money you got? Oh shit, yes. And she goes, Can you be? Uh, can you give me? It was 5,000 5, Kenyan, and I was just like fifty US. Yeah. And I said, I've got fifteen hundred, 
I said, that's all I got. And she's like, nah, it needs to be more than that. <laughs> and the thing is, I only had 1500 Fuck. So it's not like I was lying. And I was like, I'm not lying. I'd give you 5000 but I've only got 1500 Yeah. And she's like, okay. <clears throat> and so I kind of just dropped Deal. the cash on the table. Um, and what saved me was actually a big group of tourists kind of followed in. And because I had my bag out and it was like, she was like, oh, this is getting a bit too tight now. And yeah. I can cash in. I'll take my 1500 <laughs> My wow. goodness. Yeah, well. so, Smart uh, of you to suggest paying. Well, that's what you got to do. That wasn't the first time I had to, to really? uh, bribe. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's, yeah. You have to kind of always have a See, separate, I, separate I did, wallet or something when you travel I, these countries. I didn't realise. Uh, like in South America, my passport was confiscated. Mm. And because we were trying to get into uh, Paraguay, you know, in their defence, illegally. <laughs> so we, <laughs> di we didn't have a visa, but we're like, nah, it should be right. Yeah. Um, and then, and then I, I didn't realise that you just pay them. Mm. And so because I didn't realise, it became this massive thing. Um, Should have just paid them. Yeah, just uh, had no follow idea. the system. Yeah. The wink and the nod and the... Yeah. <laughs> mm. Oh, you, you got through, mate. Yeah. And so you sort of, uh, you mentioned something. I don't know if you just glossed over something there, but did, uh, was the knee bent while you were in... Yes. Uh, oh, shit. Yes, I got... That's got exciting. Got engaged. Thank Congratulations. you very much. Definitely. Yes. Exciting times. Blood yeah. diamond or? Uh, <laughs> oh, brutal. <laughs> no, it was, um, I did knock her out almost on the way back up, but that's a, that's another story. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Right. Yeah, yeah. So I, was, I was just getting up off one knee and then uh, she was bending down at the same time and <laughs> clashed her, her chin into her face. Ooh. And uh, <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Engage. She got, life, she got dizzy and she sat down. And <laughs> so, well, we've all then got engaged in the last six months. Oh, did you too? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and oh, Ben. Yeah, and, congrats, yeah, yes. Thank you, man. So it's uh, love geez, fest. Look love at us, fest up in here. all growing up. Yeah, yeah, that's right. When's the when's the big day? You made the plans, or um, we're going to do it this year, but yeah, we want to do it. There's a, there's no venues down there, and b, it's just all too tight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, next year. Okay. Exciting times, mate. Uh, August flying to Finland. Okay. Mm, yeah, right. yeah, and Benny's bloody getting it done real quick. My my theory is uh, shotgun wedding. Nah, well, you'll see. Oh, you probably wouldn't be able to tell with Yang because you're so tiny anyway, but uh, no shotgun. Yeah. Yeah? So what's uh, what's the plans for this year, Batesy? Uh, I mean, mainly it's just kind of... I mean, I've got, I've got to a point now where the process is getting a 30-minute phone call at the start when we work, I guess. Do you charge for it? No, I don't, but okay. I just... I guess I get a... An, I kind of dequalify them now before they get a chance to speak and so I, I, I kind of qualify them if they're... They kind of qualify themselves, I guess. Right. And so... And, yeah, I mean, I, they're coming to me so it's kind of... It's just really, I guess, managing that. That's really my challenge at the moment really is just... So your process it. is uh, they see you on LinkedIn for a long enough period of time, they'll just shoot you an email. And get them straight on a call. And just say, let's just chat. Let's chat at 3 o'clock today if you can. Cool. Or, and then... Then get on the call and then just literally basically say, look, I only work with younger families mm -hmm. uh, and, and I've got two services, I offer them and then, mm -hmm. you know, and then I basically kind of picture what the ideal client is mm -hmm. before I've known anything about them. Yeah, right. And then they either kind of say, well, that's not me or it is me, but most of the time it is. So Right, because of your LinkedIn work. Yeah, because mm. they've kind of already 
done enough pre-vetting themselves to think actually Chris is the one actually yeah. to work with. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of, that's mainly it. I've got to try to figure out how to, 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 I guess, move the business to a point where it's not so much me. I don't really want to, I guess. It's mm. kind of that kind of dilemma of, you know, workloads in, but then how do I, do I get closer to where I want to go or, or is hiring and growing a business taking me away from that? So I'm a bit of a crossroads there, but yeah. Mm. Yeah, staff, tricky. Mm. And are you doing uh, are you doing mainly mortgages or mainly a lot of it's around the property space? Yeah, so it's kind of helping people to navigate the world of property. So a lot of it's life planning, so structuring around where they want to go with their life, which is you know getting helping them with those big decisions. And once we figure that out, we can start saying, well, if we want to get there, then you're going to need a home, or maybe it's wise to invest. And this is kind of what you could do with property, and that's kind of you know a lot of it goes down that route. And, um, and you still use a lot of uh, uh, like buyer's agents? Oh, yeah. I never – all buyer's agents, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Or they do it themselves, which is cool, but, you know, I've I've got such a, a kind of process there that they at least speak to a buyer's agent. And when they do speak to a buyer's agent, you know, it's their opportunity to kind of demonstrate value and, yep. yeah, they decide to use a buyer's agent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's not one buyer's agent. Like I've got five or so in Sydney that refer to me. I've got, mm. you know, many in different cities – so it's kind of like I refer them to three and then say, look, find one that really you match with and you click with and you actually feel like you can really talk to because it's quite an emotional journey. Um, you're spending a lot of money. You're putting all your savings into something and uh, you've got to be able to really talk to the person, I guess. That's awesome, man. Even if you're, even if the only thing you did was, uh, m- you know, help people see the reality of the uh, I, you, know, you could even use the word the severity of the decision that they're making um, is is such a powerful and valuable one. Most people just go, what's the max I can borrow? Uh, do a couple of open houses over yeah. a little bit of, you know, and then end up at a an auction perhaps and then spend more than they can. And, yeah. and it's, it's this entirely emotional process mm. with no... Guidance, and if someone's throwing around hundreds of thousands of dollars in this emotional, unplanned way, and then you can come along and be like, "Well, instead of doing that, pay me a couple of bucks, and we'll make sure you get a, a better result, better planned." I mean, I'm just mm. glad your service exists. Mm. Yeah, it's funny because there was a new client yesterday, and uh, she's like a head of content at a media mm. company, right? And um, so she's been watching me on LinkedIn and then she's like, okay, cool. This guy's kind of good on content. Mm. Meet up with him. Yeah. And she's like, I don't, I said, it's funny meeting up with you because I'm actually really scared now, but I actually, I feel like I'm scared it for the right reason. I'm scared because I know that this is actually extremely risky now. And I've seen all the things that I was thinking about doing before was actually not the right decision. And I'm so glad I didn't do that. And now I know that I, when I do, do I'm kind of like excited, but scared. And mm. so she was, was that your approach? And I said, well, yeah, it is actually because at least you're taking it you seriously. actually need to, this is actually not just get any property. You don't, you can butcher this very quickly and, you know, and you regret <laughs> your decision. Absolutely. Mm. Because the whole, like from top to bottom, I, I remember I was explaining to Vera not long ago of how and why people get into bad financial situations. I said, it's because so many people on that chain are remunerated for you to make those mm-hmm. bad decisions. Um, it, which then leads me to this question. Do you get any, um, like industry hate from, from 
property-esque yes. people. Yes, and that's okay. Like, to be honest, like I think a lot of people are doing that because that's how they're getting paid and they're putting food on their table. Hmm. Um, is the vitriol, can I just interject with another question, is the vitriol hmm. of the uh, property market worse or better than the vitriol of the financial advisor market? Because <laughs> I feel like you're uniquely positioned to have experienced <laughs> that both. question. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I mean, the financial advisor is the same. It's kind of fighting against your own people, isn't it? So yeah. uh, that's... Uh, <laughs> Infighting. That's, that's, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that's okay. You don't need to be friends with them. Uh, no, I mean, the property are, are a rare breed and they're... Um, there's so many different levels through the whole world of property where people are getting paid and they are recommending stuff that they shouldn't be recommending. Mm. And it's completely unregulated. That's why. So there's no one telling anyone can not allowed to do anything at all. And, um, yeah, and so unfortunately there's this... They get their view on it and they believe what they believe and they find it very hard to to hear someone who potentially put their whole business model at risk. and Yeah. So, yeah. Do you I mean, they actually believe it, though? Because Everyone like, has to, man. Every single person, no matter what they do in life, absolutely uh, qualifies themselves as being legit. You, mm. you, it's so hard not to. It doesn't matter yeah. what you do in life, right? You could be the worst guy in the world, but you'll figure out a way to say, no, no, that, that totally makes sense. Yeah. I find, yeah, yeah the, especially in the property space, and there are fantastic buyers agents out there. I'm sure the, the guys that you work with are all awesome, but there's just so many shonks and, and so much money as well. Like, mm. that's the main reason I left the last company I was at because they were, you know, following this strategy that I was completely not aligned with and pulling in up to $40,000 commission selling, you know, 400 grand properties uh, in uh, in pockets of, you know, the country that, that didn't seem like that they had much you know <laughs> potential for long-term growth you know like and there's yeah. nothing no people don't know until the end and then they're like they've basically already committed at that point you know like well yeah you've got sunk cost bias you've got um you know there's so many behavioral biases involved with uh getting it wrong i guess and i mean you don't really want to loss loss aversion you know anchoring you know there's all these totally. things where mm. you know if you've bought something you don't want to tell yourself even a year or after you've signed the contract, that that was a stupid decision because that's not nice. Yeah, and so most people won't. You basically then just go for confirmation bias, which is you just read stuff and you get people to validate what you're doing and to tell you what you're mm. doing is the right thing. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's you, pretty scary. You should be the barefoot investor of property. Yeah. You know, and we well, were just talking about that earlier. We went for lunch with Scott last, uh, last month. That was interesting. Did you? Yes. That's cool, man. <laughs> He's a good guy. Yeah? yeah, I've never spoken to him. Yeah, um, yeah but because we, were, me and Ben were talking about this earlier, um, that there's got to be a scalable way to do what you're doing. There has to be a low cost, scalable, digital. You know, for for the people that don't want to, don't want your full service, and the people that don't want to do nothing. Mm. There is, there's a massive market there. Um, and I, I can't wait I, mm. for someone to come along and provide this. A yeah, we're doing one education. of these things actually. So, uh, oh, podcast yeah, with a buyer's agent, which is cool. Awesome. So that would be interesting. Well, that will work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because you kind of got to. Well, what's the podcast you know, called? Uh, it's two different names. Property Minds is one. Yep. Uh, people and Property is the other. And because uh, we. We don't want to be that typical, you know, Hobart has gone up 12% last year and, you know, you should invest in Hobart or there's an oversupply of units in Brisbane. 
like this is just all boring stuff. We want to talk about the psychology and the behaviors behind the property market. Totally. And man. why are you even doing this and why do you even care about doing it? And you know, you, what's how's FOMO affecting the market right now and how's uh, you know, the society pressure and all these sort of things and how is this really affecting the market and how is how does this how can you use these trends and these behavioral and demographics to make sure you're not getting affected by it, I guess. Yep. Um, even everything from bidding at an auction and understanding well what's at play and how do you bid and yeah and so yeah that's gonna be interesting. Mate, cool. there's, When's there's, it coming out? Uh, we started it, so we've, uh, we're looking at some different companies to kind of do all the managing stuff. Okay. Uh, a, a good mate of mine earns. Um, he's in the top tax bracket, so we'll put it that way, and he hasn't paid rent or any housing costs for four years. He lives in Western Australia and he loves to travel. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, his style of work is uh, two weeks on, two weeks off, and he works on this uh, gas thing. Um, and he, when he's not working, he lives in his troopy, right? So he'll just surf and travel up the coast of Western Australia, him and his fiance, who also does similar style of work. Right. And they save 88% of their money. <laughs> and the reason that they've done that is the counter, it, it's a definitely a counterculture to the ridiculousness of the property, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the current property uh, situation, that it's now seven times in Sydney or seven point something uh, times average family mm-hmm. household income. Insanity, right? And mm. so now you've got this opposite where he makes he makes bank, but he still doesn't want to spend a dime on it because he's so, so just, you know, he thinks the whole thing's bullshit. Mm. Yeah, you can definitely do that, I guess. It's, uh, and I think there will be a trend, I think, online and being able to work from wherever, anywhere, anytime. I mean, 5G internet will be another kind of enabler of doing stuff like that. I mean, people become social pressure to actually sit in front of someone you know you just want to see someone who's actually quality you know you don't really care if they're sitting across the other yeah. side of the, the world as long as they're giving you good advice that you don't really care if they're in front of you actually know how hard it is to find someone who's going to give you good advice so if they're not there in front of you you're still happy to get the advice so i think you know and that's not just in financial advice that's every industry so why don't you live in wherever you want and still do it totally so i think do um, you have international clients to that end I do actually. I've got quite a few different. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and so what? But they're th- Aussies, kind of living over overseas, right? Um, so like Aussies in San Fran, Dubai, Hong Kong. But theoretically, Singapore, if someone who an American who lived London. in San Fran, if they came to you, uh, American living in San Fran, yeah, it's going to an Aussie advisor. Yeah. Uh, well, so what, why not? That. Well, I mean. You'd, a lot of the way they their tax laws and their investing. Oh, okay, so you right. go into so, that sort of tax piece, do you? Yeah, I mean, okay. we just generally, yeah. Okay. I got a client the other day. Refer. I've got this client in Singapore who's an Aussie expat living there, and she referred me to one of her mates who's a Kiwi, living in in Singapore, and we just start we just started working together. Um, but yeah, not mm. not Aussie. I don't think you need, but you, obviously, an understanding of the tax system mm. works, but you can't do. Obviously, you can't do the actual technical planning, you know, for, for foreign jurisdiction tax mm. stuff. But um, but you can still do a lot of that, the coaching and the planning and the goal setting and the and the accountability. And, like, I've been working with with the, with a couple of guys offshore for, 
for like years and or almost a couple of years and it's it holds just the same i think that there's so much in the accountability and the focus that you give mm. to to your clients when you're doing that overall sort of planning piece that um it's i'd argue that it's probably even more more than the technical side like that element mm. of the, the 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 support that you give your clients is more than the technical yeah i mean i guess there's i think i'm probably going the other direction i'm kind of like this is exactly the type of client I want to work with and this is exactly what they're doing and this is exactly how much money they're earning and just trying to get 100 or 300 or 500 clients exactly the same as that. Yeah. So I guess I'm trying to, you know, if that kind of opportunity came up, it probably wouldn't uh, yeah, excite me, you know what I mean? So I guess that's kind of where I'm at with it. Do you use Buffer or anything to post on LinkedIn or is it all you do it? No, wherever I am. So, right. yeah wherever I am. So. Yeah, right, okay, cool. So it's all <laughs> yeah. largely on the spot. You need to yeah. diarise that. I know that I've got to do one in the morning, one in the afternoon. Yeah, okay. So if it's getting to like 11 and I haven't done it. What times? Uh, it doesn't matter. Oh, I, I, it probably does matter <laughs> if you looked at the data. Yeah. But I'm not going to yeah, figure out post at 11.22 or yeah, yeah, 7.45. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It probably is best to post at 5 and then. I don't know, six thirty or seven in the morning, and get them on the way to work, and yeah, get someone to read on the way home. But I think LinkedIn doesn't algorithm doesn't even work like that anyway. I think it really just promotes content that you have liked in the past and content that you have stopped and read in the past. So, and then it says it promotes content that people generally like. And so you know, you're always going to get if you haven't posted before and no one's liked your stuff, well, it's going to be very hard to get engagement because. No, no one knows you and no one's read your stuff before. So LinkedIn kind of prioritizes people who are already writing stuff. Mm. So it is kind of inequality at its sure. at work. It's like a momentum. Mm. Yeah, I think I, I, I do actually, I spoke to a few people with LinkedIn. I do think it's a scoring system. And then it's like plus, plus, plus for every like or comment or... I mean, the Sydney's, the, the, the office is just there. You could go up and ask them. Yeah, actually. Got a few clients there as well, actually. <laughs> It's hilarious. <laughs> ben, um, ben did really well out of LinkedIn in the early days, didn't you, mate? Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, I was probably a little uh, pushier than than I should have, but it it worked. It got uh, got results. Like I got I got a bunch of clients out of that at the start. I wouldn't do it the same way now, but I still connect with a bunch of people on LinkedIn, and we get a ton of our traffic. Like I watch the traffic sources from our website. A lot of traffic from uh, from from LinkedIn. People see stuff and then they look at your profile and end up on your website and end up on your, your mailing list and it's all just uh, just commute like you know that's just where but you got to be where the people are right. Mm. It's an interesting. So your your strategy is a little bit more old school in that get them onto your site, capture the email, then send them an email. Whereas yours is just bam in your face. There's no sort of layers of separation. Yeah, I'm just rich. I mean, to be frank, it's just post and, you know, keep building a, a following, I guess. You, and then, you know, I, I think it's, you know, how I turn that following into something in the future. I, then think, I think it's important. But, you know, I, I guess it's going to wait till that opportunity and I feel like the right thing comes up that I want to. I guess for me, it's just, uh, you know, enough people coming to me on an ongoing basis now that that's cool. I, I've got the, I've got enough people coming and, now it's a case of, you know, if I want to up the game, then I've got to want to do it in a way that's scalable, I guess. Because uh, uh, there's no point getting 15 new inquiries and then going, well, I can't fulfill this. So, 
Well, yeah, good problem to have. Yeah. Um, the 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 risk that's not unique to to you at all, and a lot of people who built um, big Facebook pages can attest to this. And the best description I've heard this is people that build a, a good social following. And I mean, XY Advisor Group is is in the exact same situation is that you can create the most profitable McDonald's that's sitting on top of a volcano. And so at any point that can be taken away from you uh, if you're if you're reliant on that platform. So So that's happened twice. <laughs> oh wait, to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No way. So I've been banned on LinkedIn twice. Um banned. Well not banned, but disengaged. Turned oh, yeah. off turned off. How does that so, happen? So um, shadow band or whatever. Yeah, so basically you can get a restriction on your profile and, yeah, you can basically kind of... Yeah, so, I mean, I one, I, was, I did a blog post on Melbourne and I hadn't done this before and this is why I set off a limit. The Sydney one went quite viral, like it was over a 1,000 likes and so then I went through and then all the people who liked it I kind of connected with and then I thought, well, if they've liked the Sydney one, I'll send them the Melbourne one. And it was all around developments. And then I hit like a, a message count limit. Right. And so then they like blocked me. And then so I had to go into LinkedIn, like into their office in my oh, place. I'm like, I'm not leaving till I kind of get removed. It's like, and um, yeah. And then this guy came in. He goes, look, mate, this is what's happened. And he said, yeah, no worries. I'll get rid of it. It's fine. And did you then pitch him your service and he became a client? <laughs> is that it, the client yeah. that you were talking about? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny though, because I got his email address. And then I literally... Uh, no, like a year later, I um, so the LinkedIn did do this stupid thing where after you add connections, it sometimes says, do you want to connect to oh, every yeah, single yeah. person you know? Yeah, yeah. So this is like 2,000 people and I must have been just, I don't even remember doing it. And then all of a sudden it's like your LinkedIn's, you've hit connection request limit because <laughs> you've just asked 2,000 people I don't even know. Wait, I've never noticed this. So when you connect with someone on LinkedIn, it can say, do you want to connect with everyone they know? Everyone you know. And no, no, no. It's like databases of just, and it's just people you don't even know. So it's like your email. It's like your all oh. your emails. That is, I don't know where it gets them from. Maybe it's like Gmail or something, but there's like a big list of like, do you want to connect with all of your contacts or do you want to invite them all or mm. something? Yeah, and it's like 2,000 like, people usually or I don't know how many it is. Yeah, it'd be a lot Probably. if it was and all then, the people you've emailed. Yeah, all the, even maybe you haven't been emailed before or... Like off lists and I don't know how I got it. But anyway, two and a half thousand rec- connection requests went out. <laughs> and then it's like obviously you're spamming LinkedIn. So it's like block me. And uh, from their own... Well, it's from their own little button. And I'm like, look, oh this is stupid. My. I didn't obviously mean to push this button. And now you've blocked me <laughs> because of your silly kind of so system. You, ha- you had to go back to the office. So I emailed the guy that actually got me off last time. I was like, mate, I had another issue. And uh, yeah, well, we got off it the second time as well, which was cool. But wow. yeah, no, but that's that's when that that is kind of gut wrenching, right? Because it's yeah. that you know that's the volcano going off, and you're like, well, that is my one source, and mm. you do turn that off. Mm. Like you do need to diversify, but you know, I'm just hoping the volcano doesn't blow up. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> great, that, great risk mitigation strategy there. <laughs> nah. <laughs> that happened to me with my with my email list that I had my I don't know what it was something with my website that I didn't have like a. You know, you click the box to say that you're um, you're a human, you're a human person because there's all these Capture. forms. That, yeah, there's all these forms on my website to to like download some things, and I could see that my list was growing. And I, at the start, I thought, oh, this is amazing. And then I looked into it more, and I noticed that it's just like 
downloading every single thing off my website all at once. And like, nobody does that as much as I'd like to think that they do when I create all of this awesome, awesome in my mind content. Mm, um, I did. <laughs> well, yeah, that, but that's different. That's just like, you know, IP theft. That's a different, that's a different thing. Um, but, but yeah, and then I noticed, so I started like penning these people into a list and then deleting them out every few days and stuff. But then I found that, I found out that they, I don't know, I still don't really understand it, but it was like some of the email addresses were real, but it wasn't that person that was adding mm. their email. So it must have been like a spam bot or like a, mm. they, they have these farms apparently where they do things and uh, they blocked my thing because there was too many people were saying that the emails were spam. Oh, no. Like unsubscribing and reporting spam. And it's like I'd never, I've never, even when I was doing my salesy stuff on LinkedIn, I never took anyone's email from LinkedIn mm. without their permission. Um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I freaked when I did it because I got all these, like, automations in my email thing and there's, like, different things for our workshops and our content and there's pipelines and funnels and shit. And, uh, yeah, I was I was freaking. I was, like, the almost abused. I'm pretty sure it was a chatbot, so I probably didn't make much of a difference. But from the, from the active campaign, very people, complex. What's going on? This is my business, not me. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, well, what, what a weird, Technology. what a weird thing that they're using spamming other people. I just don't get it. Maybe. Yeah, no idea. So they said something about because we take payments online through the website, so it might have been they're trying to exploit the thing somehow, or mm. something about the internet. I'm not really sure. <laughs> something. Yeah. No idea. No spam. idea. So um, what I gotta ask? What's going on? How come you caught up with Scott? Scott? Yeah, he's ah. he's he's he sold half a million books. Half a million books, thirty bucks a pop. Mm. In the numbers, yeah, he's done well. That's a lot of books. Yeah. Um, so sold that amount of books. Before, you could probably sell that amount of books again. Yeah. Uh, so I think he's doing another book, and yeah. Which he and, and, yeah, I mean, he's, he's no, he's he's doing a. I mean, I think he's probably put it out there as well as helping kids and uh, parents with kids, which would be pretty cool. Very um, cool. Yeah, no, no, it's uh, he's definitely his heart's in the right place. I guess it's uh, obviously a lot of people probably don't think it is, but you know, his stuff's good. People talk about it. He's doing more for, I guess, people getting uh, into financial into financial knowledge. I guess yeah. making it cool, making it sexy, yeah. making it digestible and fun. And, Definitely. You know, if, if people can talk about that and not be, you know, embarrassed to read that on a train. Yeah. Um, like, it's cool. People have it on their, you know, went around my best mate's house in um, Newcastle on the weekend. He's just moved into a new place. He's a client of mine, actually, as well. And, you know, he's got he's got it there sitting on his, you know, in his, you know, his bedside table. Yeah, that's and awesome. I was like, yeah. So, I mean, I, yeah, no, he's a good guy. He's, um, yeah. So, cool. we just, uh, we just, I, I guess why we catch up is, uh, he likes what I write. I like what he writes. And yeah. Yeah, it was just a mutual kind of thing. And yeah, we caught up. That's awesome. Next time you speak to him, we tell him we'd love to have him on the podcast. Scott, yeah. For sure. Definitely. And he's got another kid on his way. Oh, cool. So, so you've, moved, you've, you've moved from the, you've moved into the positive side of advice, right? Mm. And, and, and what appeals to you? Um, do you still get hate mail? No. No. I, I get, I get, um, I do have to use the blocking feature on LinkedIn. <laughs> do you? Um, yeah, and I'm not, I'm not ashamed to use it, to be honest. I give people a few strikes and, uh, yeah, and I, I think... Like comments, people are getting on there commenting. Yeah, and if, if the comments sometimes get personal or sometimes they just, just they're obviously upset about something mm. and, you know, they're firing away at their, 
their computer and they do it once, it's like, yep, cool. If they do it again, do it three times, it's like, no, nah, don't need this. Really? Then, yeah. You, you let them go on? Well, I'll give them a couple of strikes. You know, everyone can have a bad day, right? So... Tim Ferriss doesn't. I was yeah. listening to a podcast the other day, and uh, one of his, and he said, if someone gets on, like, if, if I invite you into my house, you know, you come in, you just stick your feet up on the bloody couch, right, your dirty shoes, he has it's out. He, mm. And he said, no strikes, gone mm. straight away. I think if they go personal or they offensive, then yeah. I just like, well, there's no time for this. I mean, we're on a, you know, professional forum and you're kind of, you know, I think it's not looking good for them either. They shouldn't be doing it. It's like... Totally. Like, you probably heard yeah. more damage to yourself. Um, yeah, and I mean, yeah, I guess it's once it's once they're out of your life, then you never see them again. And okay. so uh, I, I do think it's a it's a good feature for not just life, not just LinkedIn, but life. Totally, man. <laughs> Blocked. <laughs> um, you said you had two services yeah. in your business. Can you talk about that? Uh, I call the first one the property plan, which is... And the way I like to articulate it is helping people navigate the world of property and to when they come to me and they're thinking about doing something related to property. So they're already coming in the same Chris, we're looking to buy a first home. And so, or I'm looking to upgrade or renovate or uh, buy an investment property or whatever it might be. Mm. And we take a few steps back and we think, well, is this something that you should even do in the first place? So is cool. this really, you know, why are you doing it? Where do you want your life to go? So it moves into what I call life planning advice. It's not financial advice. It's it's figuring out where they want their life to go. And, and that's we, inside your property plan. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So this is the first step is actually figuring whether they should do it or not. Awesome. And I mean, even like say, the, for example, the client this morning, like she's not ready, right? She's not ready to do it. And if she does do it, she needs to make sure that, um, you know, she's actually, uh, yeah, I mean, her, her future wife, I guess. So, and, um, you know, I guess figuring out where they want to live. And, you know, so it's kind of, like you shouldn't not just do it because you feel like you should do it. Let's figure out making sure what you do now is a stepping stone into where you want to go. Totally. And so that's the first thing. That's the property plan. Then we go through, okay, well, if you are going to do it, what's the right approach? So we look at all the different kind of options out there and the type of properties and the, and the borrowing capacity and the lending. And, and then we figure out what type of asset might suit them. So it might be, okay, well, we've got a budget of 700. Maybe you could get something good in Brisbane or maybe you could get a you know, top quality one better in you know, etc. And then Black we town. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe surprise actually. I just found one this morning in Edgecliff. One bed, bathroom, car parking, hundred meters from the station with a courtyard. How much? Seven hundred grand. Yeah, nice. Whoa. Yeah. That's so there's these little kind of nuggets out there, right? Mm. Um and yeah, I mean I guess it's talking them through that. Then we introduce them to buyers agents, get them pre approved, and then I just handhold them through that whole journey, make sure they don't really make a mistake anywhere with their property decision. Um, and then there's something I call wealth coaching where, you know, that's not enough, right? That's, we need more than that. We need to talk about more than the property. We need to talk about everything else that's going on. Um, if they just got a property and they've got some debt, really what they should really be doing is just saving again, right? You need to go from not, like from cash to no cash. You need cash again. So mm. your focus should be now saving for most people, right? So I don't need to be charging them for that. So mm. I just give them a, a saving goal. Um, but if it's wealth coaching, then we look at absolutely everything in their life and we start to say, well, you know, what are you doing in the super? What are you doing diversifying you, you know, et cetera. So mm. that's kind of where that service fits in. Right. So with your, with the property plan, do mm. you, do you go right into the numbers in terms of like financial modeling of different, you know, properties? No, and I, I, I talk very high level and, and very, because it's all variables, right? And that's what the problem with modeling is it's done on 
uh, linear growth and things don't work in, in, you know, in straight lines. So yeah. um, modeling to me is a little bit pointless, really. It's, it's, it's a bit fictitious, really. I mean, I guess. Yeah, I never got into it as an advisor. I never did one model once. I did. And I probably did believe in it, but I kind of the more I look at it, the more I realize it's it's what you're really wanting to do is just get people to move forward, and mm. you know yes. And the whole purpose of modeling is to to sell a gap. You need three, you've got two. You need to make up the other million bucks, and to do that, you need to save and invest. And I don't think that you need the model to do that. Mm. Um, and modeling growth and different, you know, assets. It's it's kind of, you know, fundamentally, it's it's the property that goes up the most. That, that matters really because um, that drives future yield it does all this so really it's just about getting a quality asset um, yeah. rather than but you do how do you help them though to make the you know the right decision around the numbers like how do they know that 700 is the right amount to spend so you've got to match the purchase price to the market so if you're trying to buy so for example you know, there's no point trying to buy a one birder in Sydney at 600 because you're going to get absolutely nothing. No, no, no. I mean, for the individual, how do you know that 700 is the right thing for them to spend? Not like, what do you buy with the 700? So it's usually not a decision on uh, what's the right amount for them to spend. It usually comes down to their capacity and their savings. Uh-huh. So, you know, if you've got the not many people have got the ability to go spend two million dollars, they're always going to cap yeah. out at some point. Yeah, yeah. And then it's about saying, well. You know, if this is a home or it's a future investment, like, you know, do you go for the one really top quality asset? Like, do you buy a house in Melbourne, you know, four coast from the city um, and spend a million bucks? Or, you know, do you spend 700, leave a bit more capacity for your next house? And so it's just kind of those trade-offs, I guess. And how did they choose then 700 or a million? Well, it depends on their future, right? So, I mean, if if their future is going to be, uh, their serviceability is going to be capped, then spending a million bucks... And then might not allow them to go buy a home in three years' time. Oh, yeah. So to de-risk themselves from that, they could go, well, let's not, even though we could buy something at a million, let's buy something at 700. Uh Servicing, you've you've got to be playing the servicing game smartly now because it's reducing dramatically. So, and even this week, APRA has basically kind of talked about it and it's going to... You can't use the tax deduction benefits, right, of negative gearing in in the calculations. Yeah, that's been about six months, yeah. Mm. And then they've come out again this week and they're basically targeting investor loans even more and it's... So in the UK, it's four and a half times. Here, you're getting six, seven, eight, nine times salary. In the UK, it's four and a half. So it's like... It's crazy. You can see what they're with it in what direction they're going to go. Changed heaps as well. Like I noticed that even just like the last... The last 12 months, like 12 months ago when I was helping people with their plans, it was like significantly easier for them to, to be able to afford, you know, go buy a place, 800, 900, whack it on interest only, 4%, no problem. Yeah. Um, like still they had buffers and stuff caught in, but even, but now it's like, it's much more difficult to do that. And I suppose it's, it's, uh, you know, quite concerning with given the amount of people that have done that in the last five years with those, you know, those uh, periods expiring over the next five. five. Yeah, that's the biggest risk I think out there is the interest-only cliff, which I've been saying for a while. Basically, they're not going to be able to refinance um, and the, the the lender is not allowed to roll over interest-only anymore. They're like literally, I'm pretty sure they're not allowed to do it. Got to reapply, right? Yeah. And yeah. so it's before they just rolled over for another five, but now they're not allowed to do it and you've got a service. And so... Uh, it's it's not going to happen for a lot of people, and mm. then when your repayments jump from four percent 
on a million bucks is 40 grand a year, but then now you've got to pay off a million dollar loan over 25 years. Yeah, it's a significant Yeah, interest. you're probably going to double your repayments. So, um, yeah, that's kind of going to be a big drag on the market. I think cash out's the next, the, the biggest thing they're targeting now as well. Like before you could just take out your equity, put in the bank, you know, offset, and then go again. As soon as you get more equity, you just keep getting cash out. You can't get cash out anymore. Can't you? No, it's Good. pretty much just... I can't believe they called it... It's the best PR ever, calling it equity. Yeah. Equity. No, no, no. You're getting a loan. <laughs> You're going into debt. That, yeah. that, that's not equity. Yeah. Oh, goodness yeah. gracious. It's, um, yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. It's going to slow down the property market, definitely. Credit growth is what the number one thing is what drives the property market. If, if banks can't lend or banks are able to lend, people are going to borrow, you know. So mm. if, if you restrict credit growth, you're going to restrict property prices. So what's happening now is we are seeing credit growth or the opportunity for people is keeps on getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So that is going to lead to, you know, a slowdown in the property market um, long term as well. Do what you think it will, it will bubble? Like a GDP uh, burst? I wouldn't buy down? any... Will hold any property that's in an area where it's where investors buy. So it's not where homeowners buy. Mm-hmm. Because investors at the moment are on full throttle and they're kind of taking their foot off the gas now because they're like, I've got to pay a million bucks for this really poor asset now. Um, and interest rates have gone up for investors. So they're already slowing down. But for the last five years, they've, they've been on, you know, everyone who could invest has invested. And now in the future, they're not going to. Um and so any area where investors, if the investor market has to get out of the market, which it kind of is, and then in these markets as well, there's usually supply issues. So it's kind of new units, it's kind of new townhouses. Um, yeah, you've got an increase in supply and a huge drop in demand. It's, it wouldn't be pretty. Mm. So you've got to be in areas where established housing where families want to live because that's the owner-occupied market. And, you, and that market demand just for that every year gets bigger because if, as soon as you're 18 you go to the city you get your university degree at 25 30 or 35 you get engaged um <laughs> and uh yeah and then you you want to have a house right and so you can't leave the city because that's where work is and your family are and so the demand for housing just keeps growing and people you know that's the that's the that's the big difference mm. well mate Thank you, first of all, from uh, the financial planning point of view in, in that creating this service and, and you know, creating a really uh, individual um, and unique service offering. I think it's awesome. Um, is, can, if, if you start the podcast, well, when you start the podcast, when it's released, please let us know because I think that's really going to be really valuable to financial planning uh, community. Um, and, mate, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thanks, lads. Cheers. Cheers. Bye, guys.